Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm bringing you a special episode of the Boca podcast today called Workflow Wednesday. During these special edition episodes, myself and my co-hosts will focus on helping you develop more efficient daily and weekly workflows around post-production, communication, task and project management, time management, file and image management, and yes, the list does go on. We're going to save you an incredible amount of time in your work week, and we promise not to be too nerdy. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. Welcome, everyone, to Workflow Wednesday. Uh, We are here in live, um, not only with Haley and Rich and Heather, uh, but also with Laura. Thank you, Laura, so much for joining us today. Oh, and you you about lost your earbuds. (laughs) (laughs) Too excited to be here. (laughs) Well, we're excited to have you here. And of course, for those of you that are new, if you're watching on Facebook, this also goes out to the Boca Podcast. This is technically a production of the Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. And uh, and then this is going, this episode actually will go live to uh, the Boca podcast later on this evening. And then if you're going to be watching, so that's for those of you who are watching on Facebook Live, if you're actually listening to this audio version, um, sometimes in these episodes, there is a bit of show and tell. Rich in, Rich in particular loves the show and tell. <laughs> um, and so it, you may want to come back and watch the video version. These are posted, for those of you listening on the Boca podcast, the audio version, these are actually posted to facebook.com slash photogsedit, P-H-O-T-O-G-S-E-D-I-T. And um, so you can check out the, the videos there. You can also join us on Wednesdays, normally Wednesdays at 2 p.m. We had a little bit of a tech issue yesterday, so we pushed it forward to today. And uh, so here we are. But yeah. um, with that all being said, Rich, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you introduce our guest for today. Well, well, um, it's more like we're trying to get to know our guests together. Uh, Perfect. You know, so, uh, so what's up, Laura? Hi, Rich. How are you? Good. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, uh, I can't tell where you are. Um, you you are actually in your kitchen, but where where uh, where do you live? Um, I live in northern New Jersey, so Vernon, New Jersey. It's really close to Pennsylvania, New York border, kind of by the Delaware Water Gap. Nice. How long have you been living there? Twenty seven years, going on yeah. twenty eight. <laughs> yep. Nice. Very cool. I just want you to know that um, uh, me and uh, Heather were like we're big fans of you. So uh, yeah, yeah, we're excited to have you on today. We so yeah. we're, we're pumped. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> what yeah. I have to mention too, and and Rich, I'll let you continue in just one second. But I have to mention this is actually Laura's. Laura, this is your third time on the on the podcast, yeah. technically, right? Yeah. Uh, we've had you on a number of times Good before. Honor. For those of you who've listened, uh, who are listening to the Boca Podcast or regular listeners of the Boca Podcast, you might know this. But if you do go to Boca Podcast com. Haley prepares show notes uh, for each of these episodes. So any resources that we allude to or refer to in this episode will be there in the show notes. We'll also link to Laura's previous episodes there in the show notes. She is a workflow guru, and it's it's not the normal thing to get to meet someone in the photography <laughs> industry who actually loves workflow as much as I do. <laughs> so we turned out together. Yeah, you two are a good pair. And, uh, actually, yeah. and we have so much to learn from, from you two. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Rich and Heather, I'll, I'll let you guys take it. Well, we, we were actually, I was just checking out your website at lauraleecreative.com and I uh, mm-hmm. love your website, by the way. And um, and uh, um, one thing we have in common is, uh, as of this year, is mm-hmm. fire pits. I saw like, you <laughs> love, love, love the, I know. I, <laughs> I think we share, we share our love for fire pits. And we, we only discovered that about this, uh, this year. We, uh, yeah. we, we, we actually redid our whole um, back deck and put oh, little nice. light lights around it. Made um, it excuse open. me, you haven't invited me over yet. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> now this has gotten awkward. <laughs> well, it's Laura, not, Nathan, it's not perfect yet. We're waiting for perfection to invite uh, you over. Exactly. Laura's been over, but you have. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yeah, we, we absolutely love, love the, the fire pit. How did you, how did you find out 
how, how did you get find your... my love for fire yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, my parents have had one for like 10 years and I started bringing my laptop out there and working at night because I was like everybody's sitting out there and I'm missing out because I'm like writing a blog or something so yeah. um, back in my extra busy days so I started bringing my laptop out there and it's just like white noise made me super productive and just like really calm and like got rid of all my anxiety so I was like oh my gosh I have to do this every day so um most most days we're out by the fire pit we have like a little patio heater above the fire pit so that we can also be out there during the winter and not be freezing and my fiance bought us a heated blanket this year so (laughs) it can always sit out there nice Uh, yeah first of all congratulations on your engagement thank you also uh what you just mentioned in your super busy days you alluded to Uh, before and after with your photography business. And I feel like that's a perfect segue to ask you if you could just give us a brief little snippet before we go into our questions about workflow, about where you came from. What was it that inspired you to... Yeah, before fire pits. What did the before look like for you? I feel like this is a critical critical point that photographers across the the board can relate to and struggle with. And it's just a common... Um, you know, need to hear from people who have that before and after and have moved forward in a productive way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I was, you know, like most photographers and just working till 2am nearly every night, if not seven days a week, all year round, just editing and blogging and doing everything myself and really reinventing the wheel every time as well. I had no email templates. I had nothing written out that was like, once this is done, do this next. Once this is done, do this next. And so everything was in my head. So therefore nobody could help me because they didn't know what was in my head. And then I was just really burnt out. And I had wanted to be a photographer since I was like two years old. We had a dark room in my house growing up. My mom was a photographer. This is like a fourth generation thing. My oh, grandpa, wow. my great okay. grandpa. And so I always wanted to be a photographer. And then it was like, oh my gosh, I like finally made it. My dream is like coming true. I'm going full time. And then that first month I was so burnt out and like all the passion was sucked out of me. And I was like, this is really not as cool as I thought it was going to be. And I was like, my best friend was right. She told me not to like make this my job. And I was like, no, forget that. There has to be a better way. There's no way that everybody feels this way all the time. And so my mom ended up starting to work for me and she was like, you need to get things out of your head because I can't help you if that's where you're keeping everything. So write out your workflow, write out your standard operating procedures. Cause she came from an office management background and she was always writing SOPs for them. And I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so she taught me um, what that was. And so I started writing them out and that's when I launched my first product for photographers, which was the wedding photographers playbook. And it was literally, I had written like a 65 page Google doc. And then I was like having Tuesdays together meetings and people are like, wait, your what? Like your playbook, your operating procedure. And I was like, yeah, it's amazing. I just like, you know, hire people and then I give them that and then they know exactly what to do. And it has videos and all that stuff. And so I went from working, you know, maybe 80 to hundred hours a week, every single waking hour to doing my photography business and somewhere around like 10 to 20. Um, yeah, besides like the actual shooting part, cause that's like 10 hours on a weekend and then maybe 10 to 20 during the week. Um, so that just like freed me up to do all the educational stuff that I had no idea that I wanted to do and would love doing. So it just like opened me up to having time for more things that I'm passionate about and getting to my zone of genius, which I think is shooting and teaching. Yeah. Excellent. Now, has your wedding photographer's playbook gone through several iterations? Are you constantly working on it or do you feel like it is complete? It's it's complete for that product, but this year, so that product was only post-production. So it starts the second you get home from a wedding and then goes all the way to like, wish your couple a happy anniversary one year later. So it's like okay. 135 pages that I designed in InDesign and it's like beautiful. And then I was like, well, there's so much that we have to do before a session or before a wedding and so many email templates that we should be sending for client education and creating timelines and family formalists. And 
my, I, I made a surprise. I made a workflow for how to create a workflow. And <laughs> I ended up launching a course this past August. So it's photography workflow mastery. And that literally goes from pre-inquiry, like what you should have on your site, on your contact form to like warm people up all the way to like how to talk to your leads and how to follow up with them. There's 110 email templates with the course from leads to follow-ups to client education and goes through all of post-production and it teaches people productivity and efficiency and all of that. So that's basically the answer is I felt like, all right, post-production is just 50% of it. And I really wanted to help people with the whole spectrum of being a photographer and not burning out with their business. Awesome. Thank you so much for filling us in a little bit about where you came from. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I have to, I'm going to jump in here really quick. We, we mentioned Laura Lee creative and thanks for highlighting that rich. It is a, um, it, it's a wealth of information that you're going to have access to going to that site. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. Um, and then also you can find Laura on Instagram. If you go to Laura Lee creative, just like it sounds uh, on Instagram as well. We'll also link to that in the show notes. Thanks for sharing a little snippet there, Laura. And, you know, this is something that we've talked a lot about on the podcast uh, over the the last couple of years or so, this idea of creating a sustainable business. And much of that is attainable through establishing efficient workflows. And it sounds nerdy, um, hence my allusion to to you and I kind of nerding out over this topic. But the reality is we all in one form or another are involved in some type of a workflow every single day as business owners. That's why we started this this particular series, Workflow Wednesday, to begin with. It's absolutely relevant to everyone. We're trying to to make it even more relevant by hopefully making it a little bit less nerdy and just having some fun conversation about it. But it is absolutely relevant to everyone. And thanks to you, um, we have somebody in the industry now who is effectively communicating how to go about creating these efficient workflows. And uh, so we'll make sure to link everybody to that resource, laurelycreative.com, in the show notes. And we're going to actually be getting into workflow today. We're this month. Uh, in fact, we'll let Haley in just a second kind of introduce the theme for this month. But you're going to share some of your wisdom with regards to creating uh, efficient workflows here in just a second. We'll get to that in just a, a couple of minutes. But something new that I wanted to do, again, for the sake of small talk, because I don't want everybody to get bored by just this idea that we're only talking about workflow. Um, we're talking about industry snapshots, uh, something that I wanted to start chatting a little bit about on the podcast and um, more specifically, news from the industry or relevant to the industry. We are in a photography industry. Uh, we're also in a tech industry. And, and, and it's really kind of one in the same. And of course, there are a lot of conversations happening around the industry, too. And so this segment of the show uh, moving forward, we're going to try this out for at least the next few episodes and see what everybody thinks about it. But we're going to be talking about industry-related news as well as conversations within the industry that we feel like are important, maybe in some t- some cases humorous, um, and, and we'll kind of highlight some of those. CES is going on right now. For those of you who are not familiar with CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, it's the big electronics show that happens every year in Vegas. And um, there's been a variety of news coming out of CES, but just one thing I want to highlight today, and I hope this actually benefits everyone listening in in one form or another, um, is that Google in particular is focusing on their assistant, Google Assistant. Uh, do any of you use voice activated assistants, Alexa, Siri, Google Assistant, something comparable in, in your workflows at all? Oh, in our workflows? Not in my workflows. How about just day-to-day life? <laughs> yeah, day-to-day personal like, life. Laura, yeah. Laura's like, ooh, a new book I can write. In <laughs> <laughs> five minutes, I'll figure it out. <laughs> That's funny. Well, actually, so Laura, let's start with you. Do you use a, a, a voice assistant at all? I don't at all. They freak me out that they're like <laughs> listening to everything. <laughs> it is a little bit unusual, I will say. Um, so I, I use Google Assistant all, and I'll expand on that here in just a second. Um, my girlfriend has a, an Alexa at her place. And you see that light come on and you know it's listening. And it is a little bit nerve wracking in one way or another. So I totally know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you, Rich and Heather? Oh, yes. Jeff Bezos has definitely overheard some really great conversations. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure he, we're probably one of those, you know, the highlights of his day. We have know? like so. an Alexa in every room. Right? <laughs> yeah. We use that thing for shopping lists, alarms, remind oh, yeah. me when I need to go to the oh, yeah. field trip. Oh, yeah. You know. Alexa, turn off the lights. And, uh, <laughs> Alexa, put away the Christmas decoration. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, 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 it's amazing. Alexa, uh, homeschool my kids today. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, babysitter. It's kids. awesome. It's amazing. So, uh, 
So yeah, they, yeah, lace can uh, entertain us as well. So it's it's, it's great. Yeah. Do you have so I, I love that you've got them and and you said I mean how many do you have? You can if, say Alexa uh, plays such, such and such a song everywhere and then yeah. the same song will come on throughout the house and we can all enjoy it. Oh, yeah. I amazing. mean we have a small house. Don't get me wrong. It's not like we yes. have a mansion and we need songs. You know, bro, you know. You're being humble. Two thousand square feet. I mean, like you know, they're just sitting in their closet right now. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> we didn't want to intimidate anybody. <laughs> you know. Do you use an assistant at all? Uh, we have Alexa, but we don't really use it that often. It's mostly like if we just want to play songs through Spotify, um, if we're like, we have a bunch of people over or Stephen will take it down to the garage and in his workshop, he'll take like play it down there. But it's not very often that we use it to ask it questions or anything. Actually, didn't you tell me that that someone sent you like a fake Alexa, like a like a knockoff Alexa? Yeah, so we have like a off-brand Alexa that sort of works half the time. <laughs> but if you like ask it to switch stations, it'll play the station it was playing and a new station at the same time. <laughs> so I, I think of so any of us, the, the person who needs to be worried about their device listening in, it might be yours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's never plugged in unless we're using it. <laughs> that, that is, is uh, okay. That would do completely defeat the purpose. That's concerning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't even use them and my parents were buying a new mattress this week and uh me and my mom share an office she works for me you don't and use mattresses or you don't use assistants <laughs> no i don't use assistants but oh, okay. they were she, me and her were talking about them buying a new mattress and then the next day i got an instagram ad for a mattress i was like come on <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even use them. I don't even have Siri on on my phone. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is a little bit disconcerting. I, I think, uh, for me anyway, personally, and, and of course, you hear conversations with varying opinions on this topic um, pretty much all the time. I guess at this point, but uh, I, I've kind of assumed for the longest time, even before buying into this this voice assistant thing, that if somebody wants to find something out about me, they can. Um, and I don't. Yeah, and and so the idea that that in a, this this device in my home may hear something or we hear something I'm, I'm I've kind of given up on even being concerned about that maybe, maybe that's maybe that's too lackluster an attitude but um nah. that I think is kind of the reality at this point but yeah I I, I, I bank on the on the fact that I'm just too boring nobody would like, like, we got nothing to hide if, if y'all are listening in my life you have you got to get a you got to get a better life you gotta get life <laughs> like yeah you know, I'm so boring <laughs> well, I, I, the reason I bring this up, and I want to make this practical, I love this conversation, but I also want to make it practical for, practical for everyone. You know, we talk all the time about the significance of putting our devices down and paying attention to what's going on in front of us. And um, and I've been, I guess, in some ways, a little bit late to the game. I, I was in no rush to have yet another thing in my house because I'm a bit of a minimalist, and I had a, a voice assistant on my phone, and I hadn't really even been using that. And um, But I, I've been so tired of getting on a device, more specifically my phone, having to look at a screen constantly. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that has been such a relief having these Google assistants in, in our, uh, in, at my place as of late, uh, my daughter actually has one in her room. My son will probably end up with one soon. Um, I've got a couple, one in the kitchen, one in my room as well. But it's been so wonderful to actually interact in actually a conversational manner with the device versus having to pick up the screen and then, oh, by the way, also see notifications come in and feel compelled to, you know, pull up a social media app or whatever they can send a text message or whatever it might be, but that I can actually be present and just ask the device to turn on some music because I want to listen to some music while I'm making dinner or ask for time because I don't happen to have my watch on and I don't want to go get my phone or my phone's not, not local to me or ask what's on my calendar for today, just for an actual, for a reminder, for the sake of a reminder. And what I also love about that, not only is that I don't have to pick up my device, but what I've noticed, I don't know about you all, but what I've noticed is that for some time now, that there's been this tendency, I think, for because I've become so reliant on a digital device to maintain information and, and in some ways, my memory for me, that mentally, in some ways, I've not been quite as engaged or as sharp and I, 
there's already been this kind of shift in which I feel like mentally I'm a little bit more engaged because I'm not just staring at the stupid screen. I'm actually having a, it's, I mean, it sounds funny, but I'm having a conversation in order to get information. I'm not looking at a screen, which means that I have to actually engage my mind a little bit more to take that information in and to set it aside, to categorize it, to compartmentalize it, to remember it. Mm-hmm. And so it's a different type of engagement with a device which I can appreciate because I want to be engaged. I want to be sharp mentally. Um, so both for the sake of certainly time-saving, e- efficiency and workflow, it's relevant to both personal and, and work life. Um, for the sake of minimizing screen time, it's absolutely wonderful. I'm really loving it for that. And then also for the sake of just being more engaged mentally, um, I'm really loving these devices. And for those of you listening who or watching who have not tried these devices yet, I, I'd encourage you to give one a shot. It's really great. I love Google because, yeah, um, <laughs> what's that? I said, yeah, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, like Google's been really great because of its customization. I think Alexa has done a pretty good job of, of that as well, where it's it's uh, it plays well with other platforms. So you can specify, for example, your your favorite music platform. I've specified Spotify. So when I say, hey, play a playlist, it'll play a playlist from my Spotify playlist. Um, I can ask it to set an alarm for the morning and, hey, play this particular playlist at you know 6 a.m. And it'll do that for me. It's, it's simple, simple things. And it can do way, way more. But the fact that I can engage, and of course, I'm plugged very much plugged into the Google Ecosphere with calendar and contacts and, and Gmail and so forth. Um, being able to engage with that information um, effectively, efficiently, via voice. I'm, I'm really, really drawn to that. And so I just wanted to highlight that. I mean, it's, it's a fun conversation. It's kind of a funny conversation, but also practical, especially when it comes to something that we emphasize so much here at Boca and then ultimately Photographer's Edit, which is creating lives for ourselves that don't revolve around work and, and even technology so we can mm-hmm. be more present, more engaged with the people in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a tool that lets us do that. So I'd highly encourage you to take advantage. It's yeah, really and, and, well, uh, going to go buy one. <laughs> and just real quick, uh, when um, I, I set our Alexa up, so when I add something to our to-do list or to our, our mm-hmm. shopping list, mm-hmm. um, it syncs up with Todoist. Oh, no way. Oh, oh dude. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's cool. Back and forth. So, so to do is, well, actually, if I cross it off on to do is, it, yeah. it talks to Alexa. It's, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, are you using, I know that, that both Alexa, I think both Alexa and Google Assistant um, also work with IFTT, if this, then that. Yeah. Oh, yes. Is that a recipe from IFTT? Yeah. Or? No, 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 this this is directly, um, uh, like a direct uh, integration of some kind? Mm-hmm. Directly, Rich. Directly. See, I'm I'm total rookie to this. So, Rich, I may have to to get with you and and figure out this stuff. But that's that's. I know something that Nathan doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is this is good. I'm putting this on my Instagram stories. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, we have to we have to throw this in very quickly, and then we're going to move on to to our theme and topic for the day. But um, Rich and I were at a a local photographer, and Haley were at a local photographer's luncheon today. We we usually meet once a week Thursdays. And it's a lot of fun just to get together, talk business, talk life. And uh, the conversation went to Instagram, Instagram stories. Rich was talking about having not really spending time actually on Instagram stories. I've actually cut back on it myself as of late. And uh, and so uh, we actually had Rin there who was is going to be on the podcast and, and Workflow Wednesday coming up here very soon was uh, Rin Lauren was actually is a photographer locally and she was showing Rich how to use Instagram stories. And Rich was just, it was the, it was like watching, well, I don't know, there are different analogies I could come up with, but it was a lot of fun to watch Rich. We'll just put it that way. I say adorable. I say adorable. <laughs> How many questions I had to ask? Uh, and I was like, I need clarification. I'm like, why, why would you do, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I just showed my age and uh, I was told, I told, told Nathan like, like uh, 10 years ago, I mean, I knew, I mean, it was simple. I knew everything. People asked me how to how to how, yeah. to, how to do things on Facebook or whatnot, and now it's just, man, you know, I can't keep up with it. So, well, I mentioned this to Rich earlier, and I'll, and I'll mention this in closing, and we'll we'll move on. But you know, the the again, it's a funny conversation. It was absolutely hilarious. In fact, you guys have to check out if you just go to Rich Smith Photo on Instagram, check out Rich's story, his first story today, um, because this is Rin actually. Story. It was oh, his I first story. Seen it. Oh, oh you got to check it out. It's it's great. But it's Ren kind of showing Rich out, beginning to show Rich how to use stories. But um, in all seriousness, of course, well, we all know that Instagram plays a role or can play a role in our business. Um, the reality right now is that stories have in some ways taken over in popularity. So people are tending to spend more time, even at least in some cases, on stories or going there first. 
than looking at the feed. And one of the important elements to that point of conversation is that stories are, um, man, the word just totally, totally left my mind. They are chronological. Oh, chronological. In some ways, they can be more engaging if you're good at it, certainly, but they're chronological. So whereas we know that the Instagram feed, um, Instagram with their algorithm is playing with that all the time, those stories are chronological, chronological, and you can actually make a proactive effort to stay in front of everyone by consistently posting. And uh, people are more apt to see you in some cases by engaging with stories than in your feed. So it's something to keep in mind. Um, some of you listening in or watching, many of you even probably know that or taking advantage of it, but uh, it was a good reminder today too. And it was a fun that. reminder. Yeah. Boom. We need to put it into our workflow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> story today at Alexa. Insta story. <laughs> well, I want to respect everybody's time here and of course listening and watching too. So um, Haley, I'm going to jump to you and if you'll introduce kind of our theme for this month and, and talk a little bit about what we are discussing. Yeah. So um, we've, I pulled our audience on Instagram and kind of figured out what it was that everyone wanted to hear um, the most about and like what they were struggling with. And it was creating unique client experiences um, and that started with, you know, from the back end of their photography business on what emails they're sending out, um, what they're doing with brides um, prior to ever meeting with them or how they're targeting. You know, it was everything from the, you know, initial consultation all the way until delivery of images they just wanted to, to create an experience that was different from other photographers in their area, but also um, provided an experience that would make them come back for more photos uh, as well. So last week we talked with Ashley Garrity, and this week we're talking with Laura about workflows. And we have a couple of other um, guests that are coming on the show every Wednesday this month. So I'm really excited about it. Yay. Yeah, and, and it's really good to have you here, Laura. And we're going to kind of delve into this topic of more specifically taking advantage of CRMs, customer relationship management systems, for the sake of improving workflow uh, and giving our clients a more consistent experience, right? So we are talking yeah. about client experience. And then, of course, more specifically, how workflow, since this is a workflow related show, how workflow affects the client experience or translates to the client experience so that we're, we're improving, continuing to build on the experience that we're giving to our clients. I, I say this, uh, I've said this multiple times in the podcast, and we can't emphasize it enough. Photography, it's its not—it's no longer in many, if not most cases, something that is truly, if we're all objective about it, going to set us apart from another photographer. Everybody's using the same editing style, Lightroom presets, Photoshop actions. We're copying each other's poses and, and frames and shots and so forth. It looks very, very similar in many cases, one of the biggest things that's going to set us apart from other photographers is the experience that we give them. Uh, part of that is relationships, but part of that is the workflow that translates to the overall experience. And so that's why we're here to focus on that today. Yeah. And, uh, so Laura, we're going to, we're just going to jump into this and we're going to talk about automation using CRMs. Um, mm -hmm. And again, CRMs, for those of you who may not be familiar, a customer relationship management system. I Really, I guess that's kind of, it's, it comes from the corporate world, world, doesn't it? That that term, CRM? Yeah. Yeah. Could you give a couple of examples of a CRM? Like, so, so speak. Uh, like, Honeybook, 17 Hats. Um, Tave. Tave. Shoot, shoot Q. Shoot Q, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. and we definitely have a different, a number of different platforms. Laura, I know that you specialize in one. We're going to get into the details of that here in just a little bit. But um more, one of the course, biggest advantages of using a CRM is that automation. That's oh, amazing. Oh, it, it really, really is. I mean, it, we're in 2019 at this point, and if we're not taking advantage of those electronic tools out there that enable us to automate our busy work, we're totally missing out, and we're working way, way more than we need to be. Yeah. Um, so, talk to us a little bit about what life was like for you as a photography business owner before and implementing automation, uh, like you know now. Oh my God, it was, it was a mess. I like, can't even think back to what it was like. It was like sending contracts, probably in the mail. I was getting checks in the mail. I had 
nothing written out. And then I discovered Trello for a little while. And that only worked when I had a few projects because you have to click on all the different boards to like, see what you have to do for different projects. And it was a nightmare. So yeah, that's, Trello is a kind of a task and yeah, project task management. So I was like trying to manage my client work on that. And then I moved to Asana and then HoneyBook was like, Oh, we're coming out with a workflow tool. And I was like, oh, thank God. And for the first three years. So I didn't have a workflow until the end of 2015. My business started in 2013. Um, but I only had like two clients the first year and five, the second year. So it was manageable, but I was still mind you doing like a hundred hours of work for each client back in the day of editing and calling. And I had no idea how to be efficient with anything. I wasn't sending any client education emails and everything was reactive. So now I aim to be proactive with all my clients. So I send, I think there's like 15 to 20 client education emails that I send that are automated and built into this HoneyBook workflow. And they're scheduled to send like 12 months out, 11 months out, 10 months out from the wedding of like different topics that they might be thinking about around that time frame, And they're just an email template that I wrote up or they link to a blog post that I wrote about like one example is just like why you should have an unplugged ceremony. And it links to a blog I wrote about that. Just like giving people things to think about for their, that are going to make their wedding day better. And if I ever see things happening on a wedding day that I'm like, Oh, this would be good if this didn't happen again, then I'll write an email template about it and add it in there. Um, and everybody, you know, they can, they can read them or they can ignore them. But at the very least, I'm top of mind with them all the time. So it's not just like, mm-hmm. hey, sign a contract, see you at your engagement session. And then on the wedding day, I think they're probably hearing from me um, between that and like the questionnaires and everything. They're probably hearing from me like 50 times between contract signing and the wedding day. Wow. So they're just always like in any conversation with friends monthly, they're like, Oh my gosh, yeah. Like our photographer's so great. She's so organized. And like, I get testimonials before they've ever seen a single picture. It's just like this whole experience is like amazing and so professional and organized. And so my goal is to be really, really proactive. And basically what I did is um, I can like give some steps of like creating an actual workflow. That would be helpful. Yeah, that's actually, and I want to get to that here in just a second, but I am curious too. I mean, we've mentioned HoneyBook a number of times now. <laughs> there are a number of platforms out there as we've alluded to, and, and even more than we even mentioned. Why specifically HoneyBook when there are so many other options out there? Yeah, um, I had tried a bunch and I feel like there was like holes in all of them. And I feel like, I mean, I'll be honest, there's going to be holes in HoneyBook too. There's, you know, every company is always making improvements, but honestly, I went to their offices in San Francisco and I loved the people so much. Like I just felt like part of the family and I wasn't even one of their customers yet. I was like, I mean, I have an account, but I haven't used it because I want you guys to like come out with these features. And they were like, all right, we'll come out with these features. And like next month they were like, all right, we have a workflow tool and we have a task management tool. And wow. I'm sure they were working on that already. And I just had sure. good timing. It wasn't <laughs> but, just you. No, it was, it was just, it was you. It just, just <laughs> um, and so, but I went to their office and they were just like so welcoming and it was so nice. And I just felt like they really cared about, about their users and had such great customer support. And I didn't feel like I had a relationship with the other companies. Like I literally feel like I have a relationship with HoneyBook, which is like weird. Like I have um, a discount code that people can get 50% off for the whole first year. And when people sign up for it, I send them an email and I'm like, I know this is weird to say, but I'm like really excited for you (laughs) that you got a free trial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just like awesome. They're very relational and personal, which is very different for a software company. I feel like. Well, and what what we can do too, um, and this will benefit you, Laura, as well as those listening in. We'll make sure to to put that link that you just mentioned, oh, yeah, referral sure. link, in the show sure. notes um, for this episode. So for those of you listening and you're curious, you want to try HoneyBook out, you can grab that link and save a bit of money when you go sign up. And uh, yeah. that'd be, that'd be a really great benefit for everybody. But yeah, let's talk more, let's get to specifics, um, the practical side of things here and talk about the workflows that you've implemented in HoneyBook. Um, certainly if, if you want to take us through how to create a workflow, that'd be great. But I'd be curious, just kind of from a, a broader overview standpoint, what are the primary workflows or automations more specifically that you have implemented 
um, where you're going to engage with a client because you're a wedding photographer specifically, yeah. correct? Yep. So if as a potential wedding client, um, and maybe this, this process of taking advantage of the automations begins before, as you mentioned, actually it does before you even book the client, but then there are going to be a number of automations after you book the client. So what are some of those primary automations that you're capitalizing on? Yeah. So one of them, um, like I mentioned, is the client education email. So there's like 15 to 20 of those. Um, so that starts with like the second they sign the contract, I send a thank you for booking email. And then about a day after that, they get all my vendor recommendations. So that links to all the bands, the DJs, the florists, everybody in my area that I love working with. So that's, you know, benefiting everybody in the community. So that's the first thing that goes out. Um, And then from there, I send uh, emails on like unplugged ceremony, how to have a stress-free wedding morning for the bride, how to have a stress-free wedding morning for the groom, um, how to schedule your timeline, how much time I need for each section of the day. And like, I create my timelines for my couples, but I just want them to be aware of what I need before they're like, Oh, we have a two o'clock ceremony and a three o'clock reception time. And I'm like, huh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like four minutes for pictures. Awesome. Exactly. Um, Is that negotiable? <laughs> yeah. They're like, we have 12 minutes. I'm like, okay, right. um, so now I just educate on that ahead of time of what I need to make their day run smoother. Um, and just like a bunch of stuff that I've picked up like that along, along the way. Um, mostly my goal is for them to have, as little stress as possible on the wedding day and as much fun as possible. So my emails tend to have like a theme of that, like make sure you don't forget this because if you, you know, forget scissors or safety pins or whatever, you might be really stressed if something breaks or, um, so I give them a list of what not to forget. And, um, so that's like a whole client education series that starts when they sign the contract all the way, even afterwards. Um, like I'll educate, on why they should have an album and why prints are important and stuff like that. And I don't do in-person sales, but people keep telling me it's built kind of already built into my workflow and I should be. But, um, so I have emails like that of just like why I think certain things are important and what the benefit of an album would be and why I believe in them. Um, and just like trying to get people's emotion involved in the purchasing experience afterwards. Um, so those are all like, automated based on the wedding date so the unplugged ceremony one will go out nine months before as they're like looking at their invitations and stuff because maybe they'll want to write it on the invitations so that people know um or they can you know when they're starting to book their officiant i give them a script that says like this is what you can share with your officiant to like nicely say put your cell phones and your cameras away because everybody's always like i don't know what i should Like, I don't want to sound mean about it, but I like the idea. So Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I'm always going one step above. So that's one thing that I automate. Um, The second thing I automate is all my questionnaires. So I have five that I send. Um, I do an engagement session questionnaire, a relationship questionnaire. That's the first one that goes out. Um, The engagement session questionnaire differs with that because I ask, like, what season you are interested in, what your weekday availability is like, um, any locations that are really important to you. Like one of the random questions I have on there is, are there any medical issues that I should be aware about? Cause I had a groom who had seven knee surgeries. So I was like, all right, we will not be doing any lift poses or piggyback rides or anything like that. So, wow. um, cause I, I never want anybody to feel awkward during the session. So I was just trying to like add questions that I could like get the answer ahead of time and not have them like be like, oh, no, I can't do that. And then like have an awkward moment. Um, So engagement questionnaire. And then I send a wedding day questionnaire four months out just because it's really long and it gives them a lot of time. Um, I send a preliminary timeline questionnaire. And so, like I said, I create the timeline for them based on their full wedding day questionnaire. But I had a lot of people start to ask like, hey, what time should the hair and makeup person start or what time should the florist arrive? And I was like, well, I don't have your wedding day questionnaire yet. So I don't really know your schedule. So now I just started sending a timeline questionnaire that has really basic questions like ceremony start time, cocktail hour, reception start time, all your addresses. So I can calculate travel time and like how many people are in in your wedding party. Like, am I shooting 26 people or six people? Um, So those are the four that I send. And then I also send a vendor sheet and I used to have it in a questionnaire and I would ask like 
everybody's social media handles and their emails and contact info. And it just really wasn't good in a questionnaire format. So I put it in a Google sheet and I just out, I list out every type of vendor. And then I just send an email like, Hey, just like fill in this Google sheet with their emails. And then I'll email them all the vendors once you fill that out so they can fill out all their social media handles. Cause it would take somebody like two hours to be like, all right, here's this person's email. And then here's their Instagram. Wow, but yeah. you know, it would take one person, you know, a second to fill out their own. Um, so those are the five. So engagement relationship, wedding timeline and vendors. Um, so yeah, so all the client education and all the questionnaires. Um, and then on top of the client education emails, I send emails when there's a certain like milestone happening in the workflow, I guess I would call it. So um, I always want people to note, like hear things from me before finding out from social media. So if I post a sneak peek or a blog or their gallery is live, I want to tell them like, Hey, your blog is up, go ahead and share it. Or, Hey, your sneak peeks are up. Or, um, so I might even just have a task on the time or on the workflow to just text the couple that their sneak peek is up because then I'll usually get a reaction from a text message and maybe not so much from an email. Um, sure. cause they'll just like open the email and then like open Facebook and then forget to answer. And then I'm like, Oh my gosh, please answer. <laughs> uh, so just like stuff like that. Um, so there's 66 emails in my wedding workflow. Wow. And um, in a, that's in addition to the client education email. So I have an email templates course that has 110 email templates in it. It's wedding portrait and client education and all of the album emails of like, here's how you edit your album and all that stuff. So my philosophy is if you ever have to write an email more than once, make a template for it. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of emails that you need to write more than once, surprisingly. <laughs> So I have a question, though, that probably many of us are, probably are wondering, what is the, and I'm assuming that maybe you can track this in HoneyBook, but what's the engagement level with this many emails? Because I guess one of the concerns and one of the things we've done proactively at Photographer's Edit is to minimize our, the chance that we are overdoing it with the number of emails we're sending. Mm-hmm. We, we know that plenty of other companies are sending emails to this photographer's inbox. The last thing that we want to do is be part of the noise or for that information to be lost uh, or anything comparable. So how do you make sure that you kind of maximize engagement where all this time and effort they've put in, I realize it's automated now, but you're putting all this time and effort into communication management of expectations, which are all so important to improving the client experience. It's awesome. But how do you also minimize the chance that they're just like, oh, it's another email from Laura, skip, and, and move on to the next one when they're getting that many? Um, I think it's just something that I talk about during my consultation. Like I tell them that, I'm really involved in their whole planning process because okay. there's just a lot to think about and a lot of things that I don't think they're going to think about unless I tell them. Um, so they're generally short emails that they can read really quickly. And it's just like pretty much none of them require an actual answer. It's never like, Hey, answer me about this. It's always just like, Hey, just want you to think about this, read it take it with a grain of salt, move on. Yeah. Um, I, yeah I, I learned the same thing uh, from, mm-hmm. from my experiences that the shorter the email, the, the more likely you'll get a uh, response or something, mm-hmm. because I used to like send so much information all in one email mm-hmm. and it was just overwhelming to them. Yeah. And, uh, and so now yeah. like, like you, we just kind of, we split it up into smaller bite-sized pieces yep. or, or because, or they, they, they just, they don't know what, to, you know, I'll give them five things to do in one email and they'll maybe pick one, Right. Uh, and actually do it. If One I do, call to action. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, if I, if I split up into smaller things and they'll actually, actually do more of those. Yeah. Right? I think we've all had that experience where we've opened an email and if you see that it's cumbersome or overwhelming, you automatically say, okay, I'm going to get back to that later. I don't yeah. have time for that right now. Right. So yeah. yeah, we've learned the same thing for yeah, sure. Yeah. But I do, I do wonder if you have found a sweet spot between too few and too many emails. Have you adjusted that or do you overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly get a positive response from that many emails? Yeah. Do you, um, do you like send like a, uh, like a survey to your, your client and say, Hey, you know, I, I don't. Um, that would be a really good idea to add to the to add to your emails. But I would say that every single testimonial I've ever got, except maybe one has touched on how organized and stress-free all of my mm. tips made their experience. So mm. I've never heard feedback on like, 
the emails specifically or like any specific one. It's just been like, this was so organized and professional and she was so on top of things so that we didn't have to be. Um, it's kind of the feedback that I always, always get. When it goes back to that idea of, of proactive communication and of course, innate to that, the management of, of expectations of clients. So there is no, literally no question. And not only is there no question yeah. what it's like to engage with your company specifically, but then you're doing the work for some of these other businesses too, at least part yeah. of it, just yeah. by creating awareness uh, for them and kind of putting them in touch. You talk about creating a timeline. Um, helping do the work in that regard too, which is going to potentially benefit the, the wedding coordinator planner and, and some of the other vendors even. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's huge. And you know, that's part of the email templates course and everything is all the emails that I sent to vendors as well. So that's all um, in HoneyBook. I have it just set as a task because I send those through Gmail because they're not in the workspace directly. So I have the canned response in Gmail and then the task will just be like, send vendor the timeline seven days before the event. Um, And then I just open up my canned response and plug in all the emails that I got in their vendor questionnaire and send it off. But every single vendor I work with is like, A, I've never gotten a a timeline from anybody. B, I've never gotten a gallery or a blog post from anybody. And they're all just like, you're the most organized vendor I've ever worked with. How do I keep working with you? Because this made my job so much easier. So that's cool. um, it's just across the board. And that's what my students have had that result as well. One of my students, Nathan, you know her, Marquette. Um, I know she did a testimonial with photographers at it, but she was one of my students for the playbook. And she was like, all these vendors just put me on the referral list because of like the experience I gave them and just like introducing myself and sending the timeline and the blog and the gallery and like giving credit where credit was due, um, without them having to ask for it, like being proactive about that. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that the automations then in in HoneyBook kind of revolve around communication or are there other automations that you take advantage of as well? Yeah, both. So communication is definitely, I would say like 50, like 40 to 50% communication, most likely. And then I have my entire post-production automation in there as well. So obviously, um, I'll just like clarify automation with that meaning like, you know, HoneyBook is not culling my wedding for me. So it's not automated to that sense, but it's automated in the sense that I don't have to. I know to this great company, by the way. Just, just want to throw <laughs> yeah. it out. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. you didn't, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, basically, it's automated in the sense that it's tracking exactly what I have to do across every project. So everything is based. Um, so there's four triggers that I have for my automation. So it's either after a workflow begins, before or after a project date, or after a previous step is complete. So for all my automations and my workflow after a wedding, it might be like, all right, import memory cards into photo mechanic. And then once that's done, or simultaneously as that's happening, I can rename the files with my file string. I can upload them to my external and upload them to my Drobo. So that's four steps um, that are all triggered when another one is complete. And then the next day I'll have like call round one in photo mechanic. Once that's complete, I can go on to the next thing. So all of the post-production stuff is all automated as long as I'm going into my task management and checking things off. That's where people get hung up. They like create it and then they never check it. (laughs) So automation in in that it is automation of reminders. It's saying, Hey, you've completed this thing. Here's the next thing that you need to do. And it automatically reminds you of that. Okay. Exactly. And you say that's, that's all in HoneyBook. Yeah. Yep. So, and, uh, and, and, uh, with the HoneyBook, can you, uh, uh, do they have a really good mobile? I mean, like uh, I've been using ShoeQ for like yeah. ten years, and they're mobile. They're it's, like I want to get to my my to do list on my mobile phone. Yeah. Um, and uh, does 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 uh, is, is uh, Yes, it's it's really good. I took all of July and all of November off in. 2017, like literally in the middle of my wedding season, I was like, let's just, you know, go to the beach for a month. Um, and I was able to do everything on my phone and like send the emails from the app because it was all automated in like 10 to 20 minutes a day. I was like literally on the beach on my HoneyBook app, like, all right, well, I'm done for the day. Time to go in the ocean. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a really good app. Cool. That's amazing. And then does it automate any of the, the payment management um, when you're collecting, yes. I mean, you're invoicing and then collecting payment. Does it handle that whole process as well? 
Yes. Yeah. So you can set it up so that it automatically sends payment reminders. So I've literally never sent a payment reminder ever or like thought about getting paid. It just happens. And the client, when you send the contract and the payment schedule, they can choose to automatically pay for the next few payments. So they can just be like, here's my credit card. It's not expiring before the last payment's due. So I'm just going to hit auto pay and it'll just auto charge them. So they don't even have to think about it either, which is nice. That is really, really cool. Well, I, I love, again, the focus, and I know I've said it a couple of times, but I think it bears repeating that the focus on proactive communication. I mean, so much of this automation that you're talking about centers around that very thing, which is proactive communication along with that proactive management of expectations and, and taking it a step further, that proactive effort at adding value to those other vendors who are involved in those events with you, mm-hmm. um, which of course, as, as you pointed out, only further benefits your business. I mean, it creates a great experience for everyone. You're naturally adding value, which only naturally makes them at least pause and, and say, who is this person? What are they doing? Who is their business? You know, what is their business if yeah. they haven't engaged with you before and potentially bring you even more business referrals down the road, which I think is yeah. really, really great. Haley, Rich, and Heather, do you guys have any other questions to add to, to this conversation around automation and CRMs? Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, Rin actually commented on Facebook and asked, uh, or she said, when you were talking about um, your client education and mm-hmm. or your questionnaires that you send out, she said, I send all that information in one questionnaire, which is one email. So it's beneficial to split up all the emails and information. And she does use HoneyBook too. Um, yeah. So I send five questionnaires because like I want my, so my first one is all about their relationship. Like, even though I asked a lot of that on our consultation call, but I want to know their first date and how they met and how he proposed. And then I actually use all of that to create their blog post as well, because I cannot remember all 25 people's stories as much as I would love to admit that I can, um, that I, you know, 25 couples a year. Um, so are you so, copy and pasting that information into the blog post and writing it from their point of view? Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't write it from their point of view. I'll like copy and paste it and then like write it from my perspective. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So like I wouldn't, um, so I send five questionnaires cause like they're not going to have all of the wedding day information 12 months out. Um, and I want to know about their relationship before their engagement session so that I have talking points with them. And then I send the engagement one separately because I just don't want my relationship one to be too many questions. Um, and it's, then I can just be like, Hey, time to plan your engagement session. And here's a short, like eight question questionnaire that like half of it is like one word answers. It's like, what season do you want? <laughs> what day of the week is good. Um, and then the vendor and wedding one, I decided to do separate because uh, the vendor one was like a lot of information at one point. Um, so I decided to do it as a Google sheet so that they can like constantly just be updating it. And then the timeline one was a very recent addition um, because everybody was like, when should my hair and makeup person come? And I was like, I'll let you know in six months. Um, so I decided to change that. So yeah, so I do five um, and it works really, really well. Um, somebody asked me yesterday if everybody actually fills them out and I've never had anybody not fill out a questionnaire. So wow, um, HoneyBook would remind them to do it. That's really cool. Oh, nice. Okay. Rich, Heather, do you have any, anything to add to any other questions from your end? I think, I think our, the biggest question that's relevant for us, um, next month in February, we will have been in this business, running our business for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And wow. which, which I don't say that to pat us on the back, but we started off with shoot queue. And, um, when we think about what we're talking about, the mobile app, the things that are really necessary and relevant to be on top of our workflow the way that we want to be without having to be at a, one of our laptops with shoot queue open, checking things off, you know, on a, on a laptop. Um, I, I think, I mean, the biggest thing holding us back is how cumbersome and complicated is it going to be if we were to switch over, you know, to one of these newer companies that mm-hmm. it, like, I, I can't, I'm, tr- we cannot wrap our minds around what that actually looks like, yeah. you know, like 12, for, for people like who have 12, 12 years, years of, of client like contact con- information, contracts. payment, if like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah. Um, so I would, so HoneyBook transfer, I, I don't know about the other companies, but I know HoneyBook transfers your projects over for you up to a certain amount. Um, so they would transfer like current active mm-hmm. projects. Sorry if I froze. Yeah. No, I, I think you're good. We're Am still I frozen? 
Yeah. No, no, you're good. We, uh, oh, we may no, be just going to wait a sec. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. no. Oh, there you go. There you <laughs> okay. go. Okay. Um, so I know HoneyBook will transfer like a certain amount of projects. I don't know about the other companies, um, but you can like import your contacts just like you would be able to do in Google. So there's a lot that they, they want to make it really easy for people to transition over. Um, and then one of the services that I do for a lot of people in the industry is like create and implement all their workflows and like apply it across the board so that because I just feel like there's a learning curve with everything. And then I teach them how to use it and how to manage all their tasks on that. And it's, it's like mind blowing. Like one of my students, um, she came to my retreat and she's in my course. She had one wedding booked for 2019 when I started working with her. And I was like, right, the first thing on, on, that I want to work on is your inquiry workflow and your follow-up workflow. And we automated all of it. And she booked 17 weddings in three months at, and she had doubled her prices when we started wow. working together. I was like, girl, you're way too cheap. And so now she's at, um, last time I talked to her, she was at 19 weddings, um, for 2019. So she's like, this is literally all because of the inquiry workflow and all these automations I set up. Um, wow. so people just like, it just makes everything so much easier to stay on top of everything and not let things fall through the cracks. And, you know, everybody knows I should be following up, but then they're like, Oh, I don't have time to follow up. And it's just like too much to manage. But if a piece of technology is doing that for you, you have no excuse. So. And and I I think that sums it up beautifully. Really. Again, 2019, there's no reason why we shouldn't be taking advantage of these tools to, to make our lives easier, certainly, but ultimately it means more freedom, more flexibility so that we can actually have a life we can do the things that, that will grow our business. We can do the, we can spend time with the important people in our life. And if occasionally we want to, we can watch some Netflix too. So yeah. um, it's, it's not a bad Thanks deal. Thanks so much, um, Casey, for weighing in. And she just said she's in the exact same boat as we are. Um, she said that HoneyBook like did everything for her. She said they made it pretty yeah. seamless. So thank you for that comment, Casey. Awesome. We appreciate it. And uh-huh. yeah, we're, we're right there with you. It's a big, it's huge. It's a huge, you know. Yeah scary step to make when you've been in the business for a while. So Mm -hmm. this, and this has been really, really, this has been so good, Laura. Thank you so much for making time to share with us. It's encouraging. It's inspirational. Um, You you certainly set an example that we kind of all, I think in some way aspire to. So I I appreciate that. Um, I want to just in closing before Haley uh, gives a little teaser for next week's episode, um, just briefly mention again, your website, which is lauraleecreative.com. We'll link to this in the show notes. Instagram, same thing. You mentioned your retreat. And by the way, Rich, um, you you were talking about the uh, the fire pit earlier. <laughs> Laura actually has taken it a step further. She's actually named her retreats after um, a, a fireside or fire pit. Yeah. Um, so Laura- Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. The fireside drop. retreat. <laughs> She actually has a retreat called the Fireside Retreat. And Laura, do you have do, any? Do we do, do we just become best friends, Laura? Brothers, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. moment. Do you have um, Do you have any up, upcoming retreats that still have openings? Or are they sold out? Yeah, um, like? yeah. Me and Jordan Jones of PeteAndJordan.com. They're Facebook and marketing experts. Me and Jordan are co-hosting a retreat this March. We have eight spots open. It's in. Warrensburg, New York, up by Lake George, if anybody's familiar with the New York area. Um, But that is, since it's like both our brands combined, it's a different name. So it's the Move Mountains Retreat, and that is at movemountainsretreat.com. And that one is really um, for people going to the next level. So it might be wanting to launch a shop or courses or get into education or start a newsletter list. So we're teaching like sales funnels and growing a newsletter and um, systems and building a team and all that stuff. Whereas the fireside retreat is like how to create workflows and systems and get organized and be productive. So there are two um, different things. That's I just call it like 1.0 and 2.0 content from me. So. Well, we can link to both of those in the show notes. I will mention that Haley and I had a chance to meet Jordan um, at yeah. the United Conference, and she is the coolest person. Really, really She's incredible. Awesome. So, um, so I'm stoked that you get to do that with her. And for those listening in, if, if you're looking for a retreat, as Laura mentioned, to kind of take your business to the next level, you're going to want to check that out. We'll link to it in the show notes. Um, very quickly, I want to respect everybody's time. Haley, tease next week's episode, and, and then we'll finish up for today. Yeah, so we have uh, Renee Bowen coming on next week to talk all about senior portrait photography and how she has created a unique client experience for each and every senior that she has. So I'm really excited because I don't think we've actually focused on the experience for seniors just yet. 
And it's a good point. We haven't talked a whole lot about senior photography in general um, on or senior portraits in general on the podcast. So it'll be great to highlight kind of a unique topic there. Uh, make sure you check it out next week. Uh, that's Workflow Wednesday. Again, normally on Wednesdays at 2 p.m., uh, barring any potential technical issues. Um, mm -hmm. you, can, you can see us on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash photogsedit, P-H-O-T-O-G-S-E-D-I-T. And then uh, that's for those of you listening on the audio. If you're watching the video, you want to check out the podcast. And of course, we put out, we've actually put out now over 200 episodes. Uh, Rich and Heather have been on, aside from the Workflow Wednesday episodes, a couple of times as well. So we have multiple repeat guests. Rich is currently, for those of you not watching the video, Rich is engaging in Instagram story action there. <laughs> Rin would be so proud. So proud. Um, but you can check out... You can check out the podcast if you go to bokehpodcast.com, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. Of course, the show notes for today's episode, the resources that we've discussed will be there as well. Thank you again, Laura, so much for Thank making you time for the Book of Podcasts and Workflow Wednesday. Thank awesome. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>